0: All our lives, we've been told to go to school, get good grades, get a good job, and you'll be set. How's that working out for you? I'm Tavana Denise, physical therapist turned life and business coach, and I'm on a mission to help you create a life you love and a business on your terms. If you want more time, more freedom, more flexibility, I can help you create it. Welcome to Breaking Protocol, the show for women in healthcare who want more. thought I better hop in here and give you a little bit of context to the conversation you're about to hear on the podcast today, because it is totally different than the other interviews that I've done here. And I can't wait to hear what you think about it, because you actually are getting to hear a fairly candid conversation between a fellow business coach, life coach, and friend of mine, Sachiko Cohen, who runs the Therapist to Coach Facebook group, and she has a podcast with the same name. And we had, I don't know how we met each other, but we had such a deep, rich conversation. The first time we met, we said, we have to do this again. And we have to do this on a podcast. And since both of us have podcasts, we were like, wait who's interviewing who? So we just decided to make it a podcast and make it available to all of our listeners. And so I'm not necessarily leading, she's not necessarily leading, but think about yourself as being able to be a fly on the wall. As you hear two business coaches talk about challenges their clients have when it comes to not only starting, but thriving in their coaching business. So Sachiko comes from a psychotherapy background and I, from a physical therapy background. And so it's really interesting to notice how similar our businesses are and how similar the challenges are that our clients face. So I apologize. It's a little bit longer than normal, but I think you will enjoy it. So take a listen. Oh my goodness. This is too funny to me, Sajiko, because... We were just giggling and laughing and trying to figure out, wait, how do we do this thing? (laughs) Where do we start? What do we talk about? And this is a a unique way of doing a podcast episode for both of us because we decided Hey, we'll just share the love. I'll put it on my podcast, you'll put it on yours. And then it was like, wait, wait, wait. So logistically, how does this work?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I'm super excited and I'm excited about our conversation. But yeah, like, are we going to introduce ourselves? And (laughs) I
0: I think this is important to leave in. Because I hope that all of our listeners see, they see us out front and center. Maybe we seem polished, maybe we don't. But (laughs) it's like, we're building the plane while we fly it. We are figuring this thing out as we go. And it's just like, I love it.
1: Yeah. And then like, we can enjoy that ride, even though we're building as we fly, right? And then also noticing our brain goes to like, wait, wait, wait. What's the right way? What should we do? Like it always like comes in and then like, wait a minute, let's just have fun. Let's enjoy the conversation, the company. Mm
0: -hmm. And yeah, exactly. Which I think is the the most fun way to build a business anyway. And I'm saying this now and I don't want anybody to think that I, it took a while to get to this place. For me too. What's more fun listening to myself, not worrying about having things perfect. I'm still untangling the whole, the right way, the wrong way. Oh, I did it wrong. Like I'm still untangling those thoughts, but I have to say there is a lot more peace now in my business. And I remember having a coach one time tell me Tavana, you'll make more money if you just have more fun. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, that's not how money works. You have to work hard for your money. So if I work harder, I'll make more money. Oh, yeah. That's so ingrained
1: in us, I think. You don't even notice it's a thought. It's a fact, right? Like, oh, yeah. in, that, in the reality, like, we have to work to make money. So we have to work harder to make more money, right? That's just math in our head. But then like, oh when you experience the joy, I felt this yesterday, I had a consult. And before going in, I was like, really kind of tense and anxious and, you know, excited. And I reminded myself, consultation is coaching, I'm gonna focus on her transformation on this call, whether you know, she's gonna sign up or not. And that moment, just like my shoulders dropped. And like my breath kind of went deep and I felt relieved. And I enjoyed that consult like fully for the whole hour. It was fun. It was exciting. It was almost like easy, right? Like you wouldn't think easy
0: makes money. right? (laughs) Right. right. It's, it's gotta be a struggle if I don't. And I think this is also why we overcomplicate things. So I I think it's important for us to pause just for a second and introduce ourselves, you know, to each other's audiences, because it's like, oh, who are these ladies? And like, what are they talking about? And so I guess I'll go first. And I'm Tavana Denise, the life and business coach for women in healthcare who want to make the transition into coaching. And I'm the host of the Breaking Protocol podcast for Women who are trying to do the same thing.
1: Awesome. Talking about breaking protocol and, you know, like just (laughs) having fun. I love it. So I'm Sachika Cohen. I'm a life coach for therapists, mental health therapists who want to develop coaching business and become a coach, successful coach. And I have a Facebook group and podcast
0: called Therapists to Coach. Yeah, and I think it's important to say mental health therapist because I was yeah. a physical therapist by trade yeah. <laughs> for 19 years. So we say, oh, I'm a therapist. I'm a therapist. Yeah. What kind of therapist are you? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I noticed that. Yeah.
0: But yeah, it's too funny. So I think this is this is good. So let's talk about this, especially since both of us work in healthcare and we're helping people move into the coaching arena. What are some of the things that you're finding? that are really stumbling blocks for your clients
1: right i mean i saw all of that in myself you know in my journey last five years to get to this place too but i heard this story about lobsters (laughs) so this is like you know my friend coach friend janet her last name is dalglish Uh, I'm butchering it, but she wrote this article about lobsters, how they grow. And it was so interesting and mind blowing because so lobsters have hard shells around them, right? Mm -hmm. So they don't have skeletons or anything inside of them, but outside protection, that hard shell, but how they grow is their inside grow against the shell right? Because it becomes full. Mm-hmm. And for a while, they're in this uncomfortable stuckness. Like, you know, they're like stuck in there, feeling uncomfortable. And then the shell breaks or cracks open or something and it sheds that shell. It's called molting. That's the term. And then the shell falls out from the body and they're vulnerable. They're raw. They're soft. And they're like, like, yeah, exposed. Like exposed yeah. And then that shell kind of like forms around them and create a bigger container, bigger self, right? Mm -hmm. You know, around them. And that's how they just keep growing. And Mm. I feel like that's exactly what we go through, especially with this transition. You talked about 13 year itch or something Mm -hmm. like that, right? Like, yeah, right. We grew like almost out of our profession as a you know medical professional or therapist or whatever. And feeling that stuckness in there, like what's next or feeling too comfortable. And yet there's a nagging feeling of there's something more out there. Or I thought I would be having much different life than still like trying to pay off my student loans and, and worrying about retirement and all that after all these education after all these years of hard work (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then when you really let that uncomfortableness kind of like you surrender but also your willingness to grow more kind of crack you open and really make you feel vulnerable and like oh my gosh it's like oh shoot now what I'm raw like I don't know feels like your newborn baby Mm -hmm. in this new new world of coaching but what we forget often is we have who we are already inside and nothing goes to waste nothing goes to step one you are growing further but it Feels so vulnerable and uncomfortable. Feels like we are starting all over.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if you resonate oh, with yeah. this.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I think you're talking about it because it keeps happening, right? The lobster yeah. keeps growing. So it's not like, Oh, the first shell cracked open and I'm vulnerable and exposed and raw for one time. No, you keep growing and it keeps yeah. happening. And I think, Part of us wants to hurry up and get there to the goal, whatever, wherever the goal is so that we can stop being uncomfortable. We can just coast Ah. and you can for a little while, but then you fill up the shell again, if we're going to stick with that metaphor. And and then it becomes uncomfortable. And I think that may be part of the reason why so many practitioners are getting burned out and they're searching and seeking for something more new and different. And then the brain comes and is like, oh, you're going to let this go? But what about the debt and what about the title and what about this and what about that? What if you be out on the streets if you do this new thing? And what if people will laugh at you because it's not as prestigious? Coaching is just like, what's coaching? And so I think I have experienced what you're talking about and I am experiencing it right now. And I love the lobster, the metaphor, because I know for me, the one leap was from being a physical therapist to being a full-time coach. And COVID made that like, okay, well, if you're not going to do it on your own accord, I'm just going to make you do it. Uh, (laughs) But but then after that, like once I took the leap, maybe I was pushed off the cliff. I was like, look, mom, I'm flying kind of thing. And I think I bust the shell open wide, fast and hard. And it freaked me out. (laughs) <laughs> it freaked me the heck out because people, it was, I was there, Sajko. It was one of those things where I wanted so badly to be a full-time coach. I wanted so badly to be a six-figure coach. Mm-hmm. And I did all of those things in the span of three months. Wow. And you were raw. You were I was super raw. I was wow. super raw. Now you're talking about raw, vulnerable, exposed. I spent two weeks after a $102,000 launch crying.
1: Oh, yeah. And I think that is a foreign concept. It's hard to imagine like, well, you know, we think success happens almost like in a linear way and smoothly. Like what you said earlier too, like if we work harder, then we get there. But like, don't realize there's that rawness, emotional struggle. In every step of the way, like every shedding, every growth.
0: Yeah. Every level of it. And I think most of us, myself included, chase the goals because we think that it's going to be better. Like life is going to be better. Peaches, roses, daisies, whatever. Mm -hmm. Once you hit the goal and we completely miss the point and we completely forget to have fun. We miss enjoying the journey and... It does two things, I think. It either makes for a miserable experience. It's kind of like when I was at the hospital and everybody's like, TGIF, or I can't wait till it's Friday. And I'm like, but it's Tuesday. So (laughs) you're effectively wishing away three of the days of your life. Right. Trying to get to this thing called Friday. And I didn't realize it then that that's what I was doing with my business. I was trying to get to that place and missing all of this stuff in the middle. Okay. And then was in for a super rude awakening when I got to the top of the mountain to change metaphors for a second, and was like, "Oh crap! There's no one on the top of this mountain but me, and I still got to deal with me mm-hmm. and my thoughts and my feelings and my insecurities and what have you."
1: Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. From that rawness after over hundred k la- launch. What grew? Going back to the metaphor, I don't know what can yeah. tell.
0: What grew? I, I think for me, in that moment of raw exposure, where it's like, it's nothing but me, you have the things that you say you want. Mm-hmm. Then, to, to directly answer your question, I grew in my capacity to love myself, mm-hmm. to love the journey, mm-hmm. and to receive.
1: Yeah, recently my coach kind of helped me realize what unconditional love means with your business. And I was like, what does that even mean? What does that even look like? And she kind of helped me see it through my lens of like being a parent and having kids and unconditionally loving your kids. Like let's say if my six-year-old is struggling with reading, let's say, She's in kindergarten and she's struggling. But as a a parent, you wouldn't think, oh, she can't do it. Or like, oh, she doesn't have what it takes to read. Of course, you as a parent, like, okay, let's figure this out. Or without even consciously thinking, you know, she's going to get there like Mm. one day. (laughs) Right. But when it comes to business, A lot of times, you know, I was thinking like, oh my gosh, this is not working. Or even though like there's so many evidence that it is working out there, like, but I'm not seeing it. And I'm only seeing the part that's not working yet (laughs) or not fast enough or not good enough. That was a big moment of really, yeah, stepping into my next level in my business to learn how to, oh, this is like, I love my business, like it's kind of like a relationship mm-hmm. with your partner or I love this business no matter what. I get upset. Sometimes I get frustrated or <laughs> I get mad at it or, but it's a partnership. And that was really helpful for me to get to the next level.
0: Mm. I think for me, one of the other things that shifted more recently was from this race to a goal to this identity that I'm stepping into. Because I think when we think about these things in terms of the goal, like I'm trying to get to six figures, then you're rushing to the, you're just rushing to get there. You're not enjoying any of it. And then when you can shift to, I'm a six-figure CEO, the identity of a CEO who earns six figures, it's a at least for me personally, it's a totally different energy and a different feel. You just kind of take things as they come and the yeah. ebb and flow is totally different. You you don't personalize quite so much mm-hmm. and you don't get so um, down on yourself if stuff is not working right, because you're like, well, I'm a CEO that earns six figures or seven figures or whatever your thing is. Yeah. Um, and this is just par for the course. Kind of like where you were saying with, oh, of course my daughter's going to get the reading. Like, yeah. Of course. <laughs> like okay, so what we didn't get the we didn't land this client or we didn't hit this goal this month because this is my identity. So yeah. somewhere along here universe, let's figure it out because this is who I say I am. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's just a totally different feeling and I wish that I could sometimes help my client like transfer This knowledge to them because now that I'm here and I look back, you see the signs of it, you see the different quotes and things like that, and it's like it doesn't quite land.
1: Yeah, the clicking part, right? Because Mm -hmm. you really have to experience it to really get it. (laughs) And it's so hard to kind of articulate or teach it, but really yeah I think that being my journey too. even like you know in my clients and myself in the past I see being a counselor or a therapist or a social worker and we embark on coaching business or expand into mm-hmm. coaching and first thing we try to do is to uh, how do I say without becoming a coach you just do the coaching part or trying to get coaching clients. What I see is because, you know, mental health therapy and coaching could be like close, right? In, in what we do, even though that there are distinctions. Sometimes a lot of therapy candidates come to them as a client because we haven't really owned that coach identity. Mm-hmm. And they get frustrated because like, these are not my ideal clients for coaching. They need therapy, but I'm trying oh. to build coaching business, right? Mm-hmm. But I think just that identity shift hasn't happened. And just putting, you know, coaching service on the website or, you know, profile or whatever won't bring in, won't attract people who really, you know, need, need and want and want to pay for coaching.
0: Oh, 100%. And I see this, the same thing on the the other part of the healthcare side, because of course I started in physical therapy. So most of my clients are trying to build health and wellness businesses. And it's pretty much the same thing It's stuff is, it can be similar, but it's different. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just remember one of my clients, God bless her. We spent the first three and a half months, I think, just getting her to introduce herself Not as a physical therapist. (laughs) It took me two years. (laughs) You know, somebody else told me that it took them a year, and so I'm here. I am okay. So this is this is peeling back the current transparency. I'm the coach. Like, oh, what am I not doing? Like, what am I not doing that she's right? But other people that I talked to, like three and a half months. It took me a year. It took me two years. I'm like, oh. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess it's not that bad. All right? So, so here's a real real life scenario. It still happens to the, to all of us. But that's how I could tell and I'm telling you, Sajiko, soon within 2 weeks because I do live networking events with mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. Virtual happy hours. And so we introduce ourselves, and I can tell who is making money in their business by how they nice. introduce themselves. Right. And so, because everybody's in healthcare, they think oh, I'll just tell them I'm a doctor, I'm a nurse, I'm a physical therapist, I'm an occupational therapist, blah, blah, blah. And she was still introducing herself like that. And then the other thing was just like on the side. So first it was just, I'm a physical therapist. Then it was, I'm a physical therapist and I kind of do this thing on the side. And then when she introduced herself without my prompting, what she does within two weeks, she had her first paying client.
1: Yes. I totally resonate with that. Like as soon as I owned my identity as a coach and I started showing up as a coach, that's when clients started coming.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. definitely. Yeah, identity is everything.
0: It's huge. So let's talk about this. Since we're talking about like things being kind of close and paralleling sort of what we did or do in our lives as healthcare professionals, how do you help your clients navigate or think through the whole legality and the licensure and this crossing state lines and blah, 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 blah.
1: Yeah, there's so much so many levels to that. But fundamental thing is really I help my clients rediscover their like own their knowing because as a therapist, we're in fear all the time, like Am I getting in trouble or I mean, did I do something wrong? And am I am I going to get sued or am I going to lose my license? All that, right? I, I think, you know, you're familiar with that too. Oh, yes. Yeah. And we tend to outsource the answer. Like, so where is the line? Please tell me where is the line? What's right. the difference? And how do I do? And what I found myself, how it was very helpful to me was really, of course, I did the all the you know research and everything I you know I talked to lawyers and associations in the state and stuff to just did the due diligence to learn the ethical and legal uh, lines and stuff like that but what came down to was really me owning and taking full responsibility of where the line is and like decide me deciding it Mm -hmm. this is the line for me and my business and that line can move too It's not just like absolute like one-time thing there's an answer out there that you just you can just discover but here's the line and then I can move it you know a little bit to the left or to the right throughout my career so that's been helping my clients as
0: well Awesome. Yeah. I just send them to my attorney. (laughs) (laughs) Read your practice act and talk to the attorney because I love tomorrow because she explains things in such a simple manner Mm. that they can get get it wrapped around in their head and just move on. Because what I find is that nagging fear is one is draining a lot of energy and two is wasting a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And it is really just like confusion, it is one of those things that keep us from moving forward. Oh so yeah. if we're so busy over here petrified, biting our nails in the corner that something's going to happen, we're going to get sued or whatever, then we never have to get out there and try to get clients because yeah. we're saying, oh, well, I don't know. I still don't know if if it's safe, if I can do it with my license and what have you. Yeah. Meanwhile, it is really fascinating to me and how I got into this space of helping women in healthcare shift into coaching was that I was seeing so many, I call them the Instagram famous folks, mm-hmm. where they have no credentials, none of the education, none of the experience other than maybe they lost weight or they worked out in the gym and got buff or whatever. And here they are. We're going to, I'm just going to assume that they're killing it on Instagram (laughs) Uh and in, in their business. But these wonderful people who are feeling trapped in healthcare, wanting to serve in a bigger way, having the additional experience of wellness and health and whatever in their own lives, they're feeling very handcuffed. And wow. to your point, it's almost like, well, they handcuffed themselves. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And even after maybe talking to lawyers or learning line by line on the regulations, I think we're so conditioned to live in that fear and needing to do it right way. We can still be stuck in that mm-hmm. place. And I think I experienced that. Like I felt like, oh, I didn't research enough or I didn't do everything in the world to learn to feel safe and feel secure. And what I did there was like this exercise of worst case scenario, right? So like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you heard of it, right? Like, just imagine worst case scenario, what would happen right so my worst case scenario at the beginning was like losing my license and I got over it like I'm fine if I lose my license actually because I got to the place where like I'm a coach I'm a successful coach and I don't even need a license so if I do lose lose my license I'm fine right Mm -hmm. and but that was just the first layer and I I think my coach pushed me even further to think about even worser I don't know if that's the <laughs> term <laughs> Worse scenario because I was still kind of there was nagging feeling back of my head that I couldn't just like fully like go all all the way in so I was exploring what else is there like what else am I fearing so then my worst 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 case scenario is that somehow I upset people. Maybe I upset the whole like big rig in the, in the industry and then I get sued. And I someone really hate me so much that people make up stories and I get in trouble and I get, you know, arrested. I go to jail and I lose my kids and I lose my husband.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. You really went there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and just by thinking that I was mortified, right? Just, just imagine it in my head. Like, of course, you know, you might be laughing at me. <laughs> even thinking that but i was just mortified and just felt so horrible Mm -hmm. and then when i embraced that feeling i was like you know what even if that happens i'll be fine because i'm gonna be the fucking amazing coach in that jail so i (laughs) I was gonna say that (laughs) And I'm going to rehabilitate everybody in that jail and we're going
0: <gasps> to all go out. <laughs> that is hilarious. the world. Okay, so two things. One, you illustrate a great point because some of us, I think, miss the point. Is like, if you really want to coach, why get wrapped up in all of this other stuff? If you want to coach, you don't have enough clients, go offer free, free coaching. Because if that's what you want to do, if you really want to coach and you really want to help people and you don't have enough clients, go coach people for free. Yeah. Go coach people for free. That's what it's really about. And then the, the other thing is like, I do a similar exercise that I actually adapted from Tim Ferriss called fear setting. So instead of goal setting, what you're doing is you, you establish the goal and say, well, this is what I want. But these are all the fears I have about getting it. And so I'm going to be out on the couch, you know, what I mean, out on the streets, no food to eat, that kind of thing. And you basically create a contingency plan. If then, if this happens, then I will. Mm-hmm. So if these were his things that it would happen, then this is what I will do. And Tim is, I'm, I'm not going there, but what he does is goes out and let's say couch surfs for two weeks and eats ramen noodles every day to really show oh, like his- he- like he does That's it for real. Bad. Oh, like, okay. for real. Like if he's not in his house <laughs> and all he has is ramen noodles to eat, like that kind of thing to show himself that it really is not that bad. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. I prefer the mental exercise. Yeah. I don't want to get arrested. But... <laughs> no, no, but you wouldn't get arrested. With, He's with staying my... at a friend's house or whatever. No, but... no, no. My, my worst case. is. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. No, we totally, we, we can't have that. But yeah, that's what, that's what he does. And that's pretty hardcore. And yeah. I wouldn't go there, but I think it makes a good point. It's like the things that we imagine in our mind, like we created the boogie monster in yeah. our mind. Yeah. And we can just create a plan of how to go, how to get it. If the boogie monster actually shows up at our door. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the freedom actually, right? Like you get free from your boogie monsters in your head. Like Mm -hmm. you can be released and free.
0: Yeah. So what do you think about the fear of making mistakes? Cause I see that so much. We talked about a little bit before like mm-hmm. the right and the wrong. Mm-hmm. But like how do you get past or how did you if you had it the fear of making mistakes and how how do you see that with your clients?
1: Yeah, I think when we think mistake, that something that takes something away from us versus mistake is something that gives us that changes the whole thing because making mistakes and failing is the only way to learn something new. Like I use this bike analogy, learning how to ride a bike and you can, you know, Google search and YouTube it and how to ride a bicycle and read a book and like, you know, learn the physics of it or everything or balance and all that, right? Yeah. But you can't ride a bike until you actually ride a bike and fall and fall again and get up and but every fall though you're learning I I was just watching my kids actually learn how to ride their bikes last month and just like the more they don't fear falling the faster actually they learn how to do it better next time and after what like one of my kids after one day he was riding Mm -hmm. and my younger kid took a whole weekend but that was it she got some scratches. So if we look at it that way, making mistakes and feeling are like necessary steps versus something you want to avoid. Like it's not something you should be even avoiding.
0: Yeah, that is really interesting when you think about that, because especially if it's a what we perceive to be a big mistake, like mm-hmm. for me, I had a story about investing with a coach many years ago that I was like, that was the worst mistake ever. And it really kept me from reinvesting in myself and trusting myself and all of those things. And so then when I really looked at it and I decided to go in again, that's when things took off. And then I was able to rewrite the story in my mind mm-hmm. about that investment And I I just wasn't ready for some of it mentally at the time. Um, Some of the strategy was above my head. But the interesting thing is now I use some of that in in my current business. So it was never actually lost. And maybe at that time, it was a good lesson in what not to do. Um, And so I think so many of us And myself included at one point are afraid of the mistakes, like almost that. And I could be wrong, but almost like we can't come back from it. Mm -hmm. Something like that. And maybe this is the case with your people too, but I I see a lot of my people have six figure plus debt from school and student Mm -hmm. loans. And they're like, I invested this time, this energy. I'm, in, I'm still in debt from the degree I have. And now I'm thinking about changing the coaching. Is that insane? Like that It's like that ticker tape is running through their head. That's what they're thinking. Yeah. What about your people?
1: Definitely. And I think there are two things you're talking about. One is being afraid to take risks because they're afraid to fail or make mistakes but also you talked about the after right like after you think you made a mistake or what you make it mean makes a big difference so in my graduate school you know it was marriage and family therapy course so the professor asked us to write an essay about all your failed relationships in your past by then, I had several, you know, relationships and positives, experience, but also, you know, ugly breakup and everything, right? Mm-hmm. But the story I had in my head at the time when he assigned us to write that essay was like, I have zero failed relationship because none of the relationship I had, I considered failed relationship mm-hmm. because I learned how to care for someone I learned you know what like I learn learned about myself too through the relationships and I grew I like yes at the end we decided not to continue the relationship and be together rest of our lives together that didn't mean to me that was a failed relationship
0: mm-hmm.
1: so even with the career too I think you know like going back to the lobster analogy It never you're breaking up with your therapy career and then just switching to next but it's more like like expanding like you're expanding and like what you said about your first coaching experience it's useful many years later yeah how you tell that story can impact you to either you You know, you're going to stay in that place of like, oh, maybe that was a mistake. Because a lot of us do say that, right? Like, oh, in this field, you can't be rich. You can't make money. This is the field of just service and overworking and all that, like kind of feel resigned in that culture, whereas you can break out of that and see the growth, like next step, next level.
0: So I think we could probably talk forever and ever in a day. (laughs) (laughs) about this, but I'm trying to think, is there anything that we haven't covered that our audience might benefit from? We talked about mistakes. We talked about the line, the legal line. (laughs) we We talked about having more fun. Maybe one more thing. I
1: want to ask maybe you about your people, maybe if this is true to your folks, is this fear of marketing, like fear of showing Mm. up and
0: selling their services. Oh, yeah. um, Yeah. Visibility, selling and money. Okay, let's do it. I think you, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I think you talked on a little, touched on it a little bit when you... We're saying this is you're resigned because this is the field of service and you can't make a lot of money doing this. And I'm like, who says and why not? I mean, I don't know much about Dr. Phil, but I think he's in your people's field, in your industry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he makes a lot of money. So it's yeah. like, how, how do you configure or reconfigure your services to have the life that you want in the career that you want. And so I think that takes a bit of unraveling our own beliefs, Mm -hmm. but you have to have a practice of, or work with someone to be able to see them. Because if this is just the way it is, and this is the way it's always been, and this is how it is for everybody that I know with insert degree, then it's really challenging to, to even believe that there's another way of thinking. Like you, you wouldn't, it wouldn't even cross your mind. So I think it's important for us to question all of it. Well, who said that helping and being of service had to exclude making money and having plenty of time for ourselves and our health and our family and our creative outlets and thus and so forth?
1: I didn't, I didn't experience this in my schooling, but I've, I'm hearing a lot of schooling, like professors in like social work or, you know, therapy, they are told by professors that if you're going to go into this field, don't expect to make any money, like upfront in schooling. And that is a problem, <laughs>
0: big problem, I think. Yeah. Because, yeah. It makes me think of Carol Dweck's book, um, Growth Mindset. It's like they... Put that on the student, and so the student grows or doesn't grow to that level of expectation. Mm-hmm. Because the expect the bar is so low, the student meets the bar. Yeah, raise the bar, the student meets that bar. Yeah. Um. So I think that's a that's a tragedy opinion about it. <laughs> but and so then if we think about visibility and sales, okay. So it's a couple of things that that I see going on with my clients is the visibility. Like if we've already unraveled a little bit about that, when we talk about the line and what's professional and what's not and all of these things. But I think all of this ties together, like fear of making a mistake, fear of not saying the right thing, fear of taking some people off. I think there is sometimes in this culture in healthcare of who do you think you are and, if we didn't put you on the pedestal, if you don't have 8 million letters behind your name, then you can't be out front and center. Mm -hmm. And so if that's the unspoken, unwritten rule, and and it's palpable, even if it's not verbal, Mm -hmm. then if you're from that older school, like I'm not old, but I I was a PT for 19 years, that you feel it. And it requires quite a bit of courage and strength to break out of that and say, okay, I see what y'all are doing over there, but for me and mine, I'm doing this over here. And it can be very challenging to think that you're out on that limb because as human beings, we don't want to g- get kicked out of the tribe, especially the one that we paid yeah. <laughs> lots of money to become a part of and yes. blood, sweat, and tears. So, one of the things that one of my coaches told me that I was like, wait, what? When she said, I had that thought that I was going to get kicked out of the tribe or they are going to kick me out. And she's like, who is they? Just find mm-hmm. a new they. And I was like, huh, wait, you mean I can do that? (laughs) And so that's what I did. I I, I found and created my own new group of people that... Like we think alike and we cheer for each other and we support one another. And we like, go make all the money. Cause you show me that it's possible rather than go make the money or don't make the money because you're taking from me or you're taking from other people.
1: Yeah. I think totally. That is, it's so important to kind of get yourself out of that tribe that you are in because that's all you see. That's all you hear. And Of course, there's a fear, right? Like that's normal to have a fear of getting exiled, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, from that island. It's your decision to explore outside. And like you said, and what you did, like create your own or join other, you know, groups and tribes and see what it's like and what it feels. I think that's so important. That's why I think groups and um, masterminds and yeah, being surrounded by like-minded or ambitious or out-of-the-box type of people with you is so important because your friends and colleagues and people you respect in the field are saying things to kind of hold you back down every time you kind of like maybe I I want to do that and then like (laughs) come back down so Mm -hmm. you know I think it's so important.
0: I 100% agree. And I think now in the world of the internet, online and all of these things, now COVID it's kind of like forced people in our industry to see that there is another way and that we probably were a bit archaic and should have changed a while ago. But oh, yeah. to the to the point of finding your people is like it's so much easier now ah. to find people that have similar interests and that And if you can't find it, create it. Mm -hmm. And then to your point about sales, that is a big one for a lot of, I think women in general, but definitely people in healthcare because we have our thoughts and stories about insurance and we're not actually collecting money. We're getting paid. And I'm like, but you wouldn't show up if you didn't get paid and you negotiated maybe the salary that you have. And so I think- Sales gets a bad rap because people associate it with convincing somebody to do something that they don't want to do. Convincing somebody to buy something they don't want to buy or don't need. They think about The shady people that are out for self that, you know, you're buying a car. I remember one of my clients actually a couple of weeks ago said she was buying a car for a kid and they didn't think anything about her and her needs and sticking to what she said she wanted, needed, had the budget for. It was all about them making their sale by the end of the month. Mm -hmm. And so when we have experiences like that, of course, we're good people. And we're like, well, we don't want to do that to other people. And so we decide that that experience is what sales is Mm -hmm. and we don't want to do that. So, of course, we don't want to sell. Yeah. Yeah. That's not at all what sales is. Sales, true sales is service. It's you have a problem. I have a solution. We're going to exchange value. So you're going to give me the value of the dollar or wherever you are in the world, what the currency is, and I'm going to give you this service. Mm -hmm. And we think for some reason that we should just give it away. And I say, again, you wouldn't have gone to work if you didn't get paid. And then the other reason why it's important to charge for your service is because we know for a fact that people don't value things that they don't pay for. Right. They don't. If you don't believe me, go try to give free coaching. Just go (laughs) say free coaching and see how many people take you up on it. I promise you more people coach with me as I raise my prices, then you really have to sell free. Also, the example I love to give is the person with the teriyaki chicken in the mall. They're like trying to give it away. And people like, no, 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 no. I don't want that. You, you have to sell free. So if you have to sell free anyway, like they think if they decrease the price, more people are going to pay for it. I'm like, no, you still have to do the work.
1: Yes, I totally, totally agree. I love that. And what you said about people misunderstanding sales as convincing someone for something that they don't want or need. And what if in service means that they want what they, what you're offering, and they need it. They they absolutely love to have it, right? And you are selling to those people. You're not convincing people who don't need your service or don't want your service. You're not convincing them, but you're just showing up in front of those people who would love to have that like outcome and transformation that they want in their life and you can help them. And yeah, I think that shift was big for me too
0: yeah absolutely so hopefully we've covered all the things i'm i'm I sure think- there will be more things but if anybody has any questions for you sachiko if you'll just tell them how to find you if you're listening on the breaking protocol podcast
1: yeah i have a website sachikocoin.com, and also uh, my podcast is therapist to coach and you can find me on Facebook too. I have a Therapist Coach Facebook
0: group. Awesome. And I, if you're listening on the therapist to Coach podcast, I am Tavana Denise. You can find me everywhere there. Tavana T T-A-V A V Victor O-N-A. Denise D-E-N-I-S-E dot com. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and there's the Thrive Network for Coaches in Healthcare. Awesome.
1: This is so much fun. All right, thank you.